0: Woo. Good evening, good evening, and happy podcasting time. Uh, I am so excited to be here with you. I hope that you are excited to be tuning in. Um, Y'all, I just love you so much. This is Rachel Vogt, and this is a Good Girls Guide podcast. Oh, my gosh. It has been such an amazing week. I think I said that last week, but I'm just so excited to tell you again. And any week I can show up and say that is going to be a good week for sure. So I hope that you are also having a good one. Uh, So if you are new, thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, If you can find a way to let me know how you got here it would be so fantastic if you did I know that my sweet aunt just referred somebody to listen to the podcast and so we've got some newbies hello and welcome um you obviously just have no idea how much it means to me to have your support you kind of do because I tell you all the time but I'm going to keep telling you I'm going to shuffle some things on my desk here for a second so you're going to hear a couple of noises but I just want you to be able to hear me better and not have my phone drop in the middle. Here we go. Okay. So if you are new here, um, yes, so my name is Rachel Voda, as I'd mentioned. Uh, A Good Girl's Guide is my transitional business (laughs) from where I've been uh, because over the last eight and a half years, I have been an entrepreneur and primarily uh, my history has been as an intimacy coach and I still do that. I still love that. It's still the heart of what I do. I'm really actually shockingly good at relationship stuff, Um, even before I was really good in my own personal one. But over the last couple of years, through my own identity crisis that I had in my late 20s, I was able to completely uproot everything I thought about myself and so on and so forth. And now I bring that message here to y'all. So although intimacy is the core of what I do, uh, the reason it expanded is because I recognized that you could not You could not touch intimacy with a 10-foot pole if you weren't looking at your finances or connecting with a higher power, touching into your mental and physical well-being, and delving into your passion, which for a lot of people, you know, they want that to be their day job, and often we hope that it is, but I see a lot of my clients that it's not, so you want to switch the actual word of passion to growth and contribution, which is too long. That's why we just say passion. And then we, we just, we, we would just waste a bunch of time by d- d- defining the definition anyway, but it's fine. Okay. Growth and contribution. So something that allows for you to feel like you're giving back to your community, to your people, to your world, to energy, whatever, uh, and contribution for sure. Okay. So growth and contribution. Anyway. Um, so if you love getting some free content, it is literally true that it makes you beautiful to share. My aunt Lon is the most gorgeous human being on earth right now. Okay. Uh, I bet she feels too, uh, because sharing is caring. It's free to listen to these podcasts. I do my best to provide as much free content as I can. Not only is it because that's a personal belief that I feel like, oh my God, you can't charge for trying to better people's lives, but at the same exact breath, I have to make a living, right? So I'm working through my own traumas and tribulations over here, but you get to benefit right now for free. So lots of free ways to develop yourself. That's the way I did it for years before I started getting into paid services and healers and uh, coaches and therapists and so on and so forth. So you do you until you need to do something different, all right? So free content, Weekly getting dropped here on Anchor. There's also free content happens every Monday. You get a double dose of Rachel. Uh, if you are friends with me on the Book of Face, you can find me over there at a Good Girl's Guide to on my personal page. Every Monday evening, I'm doing a live. Um, it can be just about anything. And then I follow that up with jumping into my private VIP page where you got to be 18 years or older. You got to identify as feminine energy uh, to be a part of that. It's all about sexual wellness and intimacy building, and that's what stemmed from my first leg of my entrepreneurship and has just completely completely exploded into one of the best communities I have ever been a part of and it's because of the women in that group and the people who identify as feminine too. So you need a private invite to get to that, so you need to find a way to find me. A Good Girls Guide to at Instagram is an easy way to do that. I prefer Facebook message, but we can initially get contacted through there, and I can get you set up with everything else. So, uh, I digress. That's all free content, by the way. Free and home parties, if you didn't know that too, and you can get free and discounted product uh, in the intimacy world if that's something that you're interested in. The empowerment class is something that is back for the month of April, which is phenomenal. So, if you are brand new to personal development, you have no idea where to start, or uh, you're kind of like into it but you don't really know, then message me for sure. Zoom class is phenomenal. Um, It's a really great way to get you started dissecting why you think the way you think about anything and everything, and then choosing to move forward with that same belief system if it still aligns with you. And if it doesn't, how do we rewrite that so you start living your most successful life? Okay, that's what the class does. And then lastly, if you Uh, are loving anything and everything that you do get with me, you have the option to do one-to-one services. And that has just been exploding left and right. I've been getting clients reaching out to me. I've been finding new people who want to work together. uh, And that just fills my heart so much. Um, And that's just the reason that it's not that I like any one of them over the other. They're all really great. Uh, But the one-to-one sessions are powerful because I get to tap into who you are. You whether you like it or not, this is what happens. You really open up. You get vulnerable. You share with me a lot, whether you know you're, that was your intention or not. But that's it. Is we get to focus on where you are and where we need to get you, as not as fast as possible, because that's not the way that it works, but um, with relief along the way, grace and patience, I suppose. So that's what I offer. So follow me uh, on all of those things. Oh, it's 444 where I'm recording right now, just so you know, okay? Uh, um, and reach out to me if you'd like some individual services. So that's it. That's me in a nutshell. Thanks for hanging out so I could plug all the sh- Okay, so today... To, 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 today, um... I totally just thought of this topic this morning. I was actually struggle busting because as uh, I've mentioned, I am in the process of setting up some podcast guests and I'm so excited to do that. But I think I put like my own topics on the back burner why I was like super excited to reach out to people and and schedule those. (laughs) So I was like, oh, what am I gonna record today?" All right, so um, what I decided I wanted to talk about was blended families. You know, A lot of the time I hear talk about what you're good at, uh, which is actually ironic because in the same breath, I've heard a lot like talk about what you need to learn. so it's kind of a, a catch 22, but I definitely have experience with blended families. And so what I want to talk a little bit about today is like maybe some perspective shifting on that, how to be successful. I'm going to give you a little bit of a quick history so you can kind of trust the resource that's coming to you. Uh, and if you have any stories that you want to share of your own blended family situations, make sure to forward them to me. You know, I am not naive in thinking that my way is the way. Uh, that's not my intention is for you to like hang on every word that I say and try every thing that I throw out there. Uh, I really want you to find what path works best for you. And, um the best way to do that is to search out other people's stories. You know, you might resonate with me on one specific thing. You and I might resonate with each other on a lot of different things, but you also might like hear me say something and go, I'd never say that. I can't believe she said that. And that is not the way that I think. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Go find somebody that does resonate with that. And so the, why I say all of that is because hearing other people's stories matter. So I'm always looking for people. If you think you have something that you'd be um, willing to share, you think what might be helpful for other people, reach out to me. Okay. All right. So quick history, right? Blended family. I come from one. Well, I don't actually come from a blended family. I come from a divorce family, but I think that's kind of close, right? Having that history in there. And, um, oddly i my parents didn't divorce until i was in my 20s but oh man i was feeling the effects of what should have been their breakup um in middle school and it's not any fault of their own of course it's just that like looking back on it like i didn't even really realize that in middle school or high school i just thought that that was what parents marriages look like so you know i didn't really have anything obviously to compare it to so anyhow um my parents divorced um I come from my first situation. I had a really long-term relationship. It was 12 years. We had a child together. We had a home together. We were engaged to be married. So it was darn well close enough. And as somebody, I mean, like I don't know, people will probably argue about whether or not it, if you're talking about like, I don't even marriage isn't even a part of this. Like a blended family doesn't have to incur that a marriage happened. It, it is just when two people had procreated and no longer are together. And so there is a new dynamic of the family and that's what it's about. So, you know, I am in a blended family um, because I'm not with my my first son's father and I'm with my amazing husband who comes from not only a divorce <laughs> but he came from a divorce and blended family too so it was really kind of inevitable but I, I feel very very strongly in my heart that he and I um, we will not go down that path and that makes me that makes me cry a little bit in my eyeballs tears of joy and happiness that I feel that solid about it um, not even because we, we know what not to do because we don't really know what not to do we run off of our subconscious cues too but but because um, our relationship is it's just totally unlike anything I've ever been in before, and I think you would say the same. So, anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there because it's just crazy how much divorce and blended families are in just the two of our lives, okay? So together for 12 years this is my personal experience right i said 12 years my ex and i were together we were engaged it was not an amicable split um i was the one that called it off and i could sit here and give you all those juicy details but here's what i will tell you the short end of the stick is that i was not a fair partner to him i definitely feel like he tried more often than i did oh god and um if i had to be generous to myself i would say six eighths of the time which i think is if we reduce that fraction it's just like what like one I don't even know. Don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I just know that there was definitely sometimes I tried hard, but he tried harder much more frequently than I did. And I, and that was neither, neither of our faults. I didn't know how to authentically show up as a human. Um, and I was definitely working off of my own traumas and insecurities and abandonment issues, uh, always keeping the upper hand and so on and so forth. So the reason I say that is because, I mean, I've things up between the two of us on multiple occasions. I was very clichely that girl that would break it off when I thought that there was a better opportunity coming my way. How disgusting of me. Um, And then when that didn't work or fell apart, then I would go back to him and he was just always there. Like, I mean, almost always. And uh, you know, I haven't even ever formally apologized to him and I will right here because I'm not ready to do it to his face. But to my ex, I am so sorry that you had to endure that. I know that you you tried your best and I know that you were really in it and I'm sorry I couldn't give you the partnership you deserved all of those times. So, you know, um, that's important because at, at towards the end, I know he felt kind of blindsided because he kind of told me that. Like we were in couples therapy and um, let me just speed this up because this is not about the actual story, like I said. So we were in couples therapy, didn't work out, you know, and, you know, he just was like, I just didn't really see this coming. And so that led to some residual feelings, right? If, if it was an amicable split, then there was definitely feelings of a certain way between people. And, um, I definitely had more neutral thoughts than I were I guess I really would have anticipated, um, given the situation. But then again, that's because I rebounded fairly quickly and met my now husbands, you know, so I didn't have a lot of time that I needed to be distracted with the breakup stuff, I guess. And so, um, in my situation, I felt from the beginning when we broke up that I, I was all, all, already going to be more cautious and more empathetic to him. Uh, it wasn't, and I want to stress this because it wasn't that I had pity or felt guilt. Uh, I'm sorry, not let me, let me, it wasn't pity for sure. I don't know where guilt came from. Um, it wasn't that I had pity for him. Uh, it was that I truly was mourning the fact that I knew it was, it was done, you know, in any other any other circumstance, I knew I had the option to go back if I wanted to because I always had. So this was me mourning that and feeling that for the both of us. And so I think it was probably one of the best things that could have happened because if I would have felt any other way, I probably wouldn't have been able to hold a space for him that would have allowed for us to get to where we are. My ex and I have such a, a great relationship uh, of co-parenting that that also makes me want to cry because, you know, I don't know that either of us would have expected we could have gotten to where we are and he has such a crappy past um from his father, his mom was a, is an amazing woman. She has done such great things for her kids as a single mom. Um, but he has such a history with his dad that it could have been much worse than it was. And so in the beginning, there was a lot of bitterness and there was a lot of short tempers and there was a lot of snapping. And and I, I got that. And I would just do my best to just, like, stay back, you know. And instead of fighting with him, which would have been my normal thing when we were together or not together in the past – it was just one of those things where I just went to Tony instead, you know, and I would just talk to him. And when I would come back, I would, I would, I would always hear Brent's side. And I tried very much not to give as much pushback as I could. Um, and sometimes it was like I just had to check myself because I was like, you have to make sure that you're not letting you're not you're not being walked all over. That was never the case. It was it was really just. And one more thing, it was also me, not just like rolling over and taking it and letting him treat me or act a certain way because I felt like I deserved it. It was me being able to step outside of the situation and just recognizing he is just hurt. Yo, you, you fucked his life up for over a decade. You guys had a child together, you had a house together, you were planning to get married. Like acknowledge that and just be okay with this is where it is right now. And it won't last forever. And I just, I can tell you that from my heart that that's what I felt. And, and dismissing all of those other low-level emotions that would have pumped and recycled the things we were going through back into our relationship if I would have acknowledged them or came from a place of insecurity. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this because if you struggle in your blended family, this is one of the largest things that happened for me was that um, the reason – well, I mean, this is more about Brent dating. So this is my, my first son's father. Um, when he started dating other people, it was the first time that I never felt insecure, And, um, like about him dating other people, like I, I didn't have bad things to say about this woman that I never met, or I wasn't really questioning whether or not she was worthy of being in front of my son, uh, or any of that regard, because it didn't matter. Like this was the first time that I was so secure in my personal relationship at home that I didn't need to seek validation through anybody, even an ex, uh, you know, and try to steal him back or try to talk crap about her because I don't know her or whatever. Uh, you know, that made a huge difference because not only did that allow for no tension in his relationship from my side, like I, I had nothing in the pot in terms of, you know, where that was going. I actually be, be was able to hold space for him, you know, so the, when we first started bonding after the dust had settled on our relationship, I think it was probably a year, a year-ish after we had separated, um, or so, and he was having trouble in his relationship and his girlfriend was very clearly taking advantage of him and she was not very kind and there was kind of this rumor mill that she was cheating or trying to cheat or something like that and you know, it was kind of funny because <laughs> it became the situation where he would drop off our son and then i would stand out and talk to him for 20 to 30 minutes and i remember that happening through my pregnancy i remember that very vividly because there would be times where i like i'd be shifting on my feet or something and you know tony would be like you can't stand out there all day or whatever and i'd be like i know but you know it it was worth it because it it showed that we were at a new level it showed that we had moved past our hurt and pain and became friends again and being friends was the most important thing we could do for our son so so that's my history so far, and today, you know, we're better than ever, and, you know, we could go into that too, but I wanted to stand, uh, stand. I wanted to share some statistics about uh, blended families, and this is, um, I don't know if I, I'll be honest, like, I just pulled this up, like, right before I started filming, so I can't say that it's entirely, I don't know if I vibe with it very, I'll just, let me just get into it, so I, the website is called Stepfamily.org, but remember, step families are more. Like this says that these families take a multitude of forms. So divorced uh, families with children, remarried, recoupled or living together, uh, single mothers the recoupled or redating or dating, I'm sorry. Divorced dads and lesbian and gay couples with children from prior relationships. So I don't know if they really classify blended families onto blended families, but This is what it says. First, it says statistics are staggering. I don't even like that. I feel like that's a very jarring phrase to like imply that if you are from a blended family or you didn't stay in the original marriage or relationship that you had your children with, that like this is appalling. This is alarming. That this is and it doesn't even have the. It doesn't even have it. It doesn't even list like what the actual statistic is. So let's move. Let's move on. Okay. So, um. <laughs> okay this is this is weird step families are not addressed assessed and counted further co- catapulting those who live in and lead our society into the quagmire of ignorance i don't i mean i'm going to have to do some work on here okay um but that's copyright 2021. Anyways, here's the actual statistic numbers. I It looks like we're forming here. 1,300 new step families are forming every day. Over 50% of U.S. families are remarried or recoupled. The average marriage in America lasts seven years. And I just want to point out, by the way, this website says the average marriage in America lasts only seven years. Again, implying like there's something wrong with... Having almost a decade of time with somebody and anyways there's not by the way okay there's not there's not be with somebody as long as you need to or want to okay so the average marriage lasts seven years is what that is man we got we only got eight six years five years to go okay anyways (laughs) one out of two marriages ends in divorce 75% remarry 60% of those living together or remarried will break up when children all are involved that's a pretty big deal so 75% of people remarry 66% of those living together or remarried will break up when there are children involved. 80% of remarried or recoupled um, partners with children both have careers. And 50% of 60 million children under the age of 13 are currently living with one biological parent and that parent's current partner. I fit into almost all those categories, just so you know. Okay, so... um, this one I just want to share real quick, too. According to the Step Families Foundation research, more than 60% of divorced fathers visit their children. These children do not legally reside with their fathers. Um, just just, just going to review, just make sure there wasn't anything else. Ugh, but I do want to share this statistic. A Boston University psychologist researcher reported that the career women who earned over a hundred thousand dollars and had married men with children, over seventy-five percent said that if they had to do it again, they would not marry a man with children. Fifty percent of all women, not just mothers, are likely sometime in their life to live in a step family relationship, while we include living together families in our definition of the step family, according to the research compiled by Professor Law Professor of Sociology. Some dude. Oh, I need to use that. Okay. So, anyways, 50% of all women, not just mothers, are likely to uh, sometime in their life live in a step-family relationship. Okay? So, um, that's crazy. That's crazy, you know? And so, it's odd because when we're, like, looking at things like this, it's like... Again, it seems like an atrocity if it is found it's, it's unnatural, it's not normal. No, I don't think I don't think that's the case at all. I think that, you know, for a lot of years a lot of people stayed married because they just didn't think that. I mean, you I just heard on the radio the other day that this lady supposedly put out a contract killing for her husband and when caught confessed to it said that she did it because her religion didn't allow divorce. So how much logic is in that when you what? Okay, you can kill them, but you can't divorce them. But because the amount of shame that you feel from your culture, your religion, your family, particularly any of those things, that that would be the route you thought was a better option than just to divorce because that you would be ostracized or kicked out of your acceptance group. That's crazy, but true. It's crazy, but true. So you know, it's so important when we when we delve into this because. I think it's, it's more normal than we think it needs to be. Uh, you know, is it, are there a lot of people out there that are together for 20 plus years? Clearly not. The statistics are showing that it's seven years on average. Now, I do think that this could be extended and I do think that uh, I'd be interested to see, like, well, I guess I, I just closed out of the window, but the statistic on people who marry the second time, I, it said 66% of those people will break up again if they have children in the household. Uh, that's crazy to me because my experience, my experience, especially working in the field that I do, when I'm doing on average two to three parties a week, and I have been for almost a decade, let's just say, let's just say on average, I'm going to lowball it and say that there's six women at my party. Um, I'm just going to figure that number out. Okay. Let's just say, because six, six people, and let's just times that by three, um, that, that, that's fair. 18 new women a week, okay? And uh, if you do that by 52 and then you times that by eight, that's 7,500 women, 7,500 feminine energies that's at parties alone. That doesn't include consultation, doesn't include in my, in my group, doesn't re- include repeat business and doesn't include any of that stuff, right? So 7,500 people that I have met majority of the time, majority, and this is, uh, I would say a stark amount, but again, this is just just me, Most people who remarry, they're ecstatically happy statically happy, and I think that the, the trend of that is because you went through what you went through in your first relationship, uh, and you know what you don't want, and when you know what you don't want, you can get really narrowed and focused on what you do want, and so you learn better, you pick more choosily, uh, you understand what you're interested in in a partner, and not just like filling the gap of, you know, your fear of abandonment and need to be with somebody, which was definitely what I was doing, you know, until I was like 20, whatever I was, 20, 29, I don't know, 27, something like that, you know, so, these are all ideas and thoughts that we have to delve into, to say the least, because this is how we really start to understand why we do what we do. So if we were able to talk about those kinds of conversations with our parents, teachers, pastors, when we were younger, I absolutely think that the divorce rate would be lower. But I also think that... You also have to consider the fact that in 2021, I don't think that people think about marriage the same way that they used to, not only about the fact is it it necessary or not, does it really change anything, Uh, or is it just a government slip that really, you know, in that regard makes change or whatever, Uh, then – it's just not as important to people. It's just not as important to people as it used to be because it's more about tradition than it is about anything else. Uh, having fluidity in your life is okay. And then, of course, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though, is like even if it wasn't an idea of is marriage necessary, if we were having conversations about commitment and communication and ideas and support and expectations and, you know, what what you wanted a long-term experience to be like with a person and did you think that that was going to be for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or do you want to be with that person for 50 60 70 80 years you know those are all okay there's no wrong way to live your life everybody's is just different but you obviously want to make sure that you get really clear on what those expectations are not what everybody else is telling you what those expectations are you know part of the reason people get so much flack about like having multiple partners is it was like, because that's what, that's cool. Like, I'm either enjoying that experience or because that's what, um, you know, I saw my parents divorce and my mom remarry and divorce and remarry and divorce. And so I never want to be that way. That's not a healthy way to obviously casually have sex with people. But if it was more of, <laughs> I don't know if you heard my daughter, but she totally just completely threw off my vibe. Um, And I love her dearly. Okay. My point is all so much about that. We really need to just get in tune with what's what's important to us. Because you could grow up in a household where your parents had been married for 25, 30 years before you were even born. And they are the happiest you've ever seen. But maybe you still have zero desire to marry. Maybe you do. Is that likely? Probably not because you're going to want to mimic what you saw in your parents and it gave you comfort and it brought you joy and it seemed to work out. So more than likely you'll identify with marriage or a very long-term partnership with somebody. But it doesn't mean that you will and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean your parents failed in the way that they raised you. So really what I want to shift this into is like, how do we deal with this? Because I've had a few people reach out to me, and sometimes when I make a post or I talk about my ex, um, you know, on social media, you know, I, I, I would like to say that I don't do it for accolades. I don't do it for accolades, but do I do it so you can see it? You're damn right, I do. You're damn right I do because I don't think that there's enough parents out there that get to see that it's plausible and that it works. And the fact that I have a platform where I know that more than your average Jill and Jane, more people see my stuff because that's part of my job is to network and to make my presence known and to build a brand so people can find me. So I understand that more eyeballs are going to see that. So if I can hyper promote the good things that are going on in my life, not only is that relieving for me because I don't have to hyper focus on the things that are bringing me down or I feel like might have scarcity in my life. What does that do for my kid? And what does that do for my relationship with my ex? It's just more validation that we're doing right by ourselves and raising our child, you know? And yes, it makes me feel good. So there is some selfishness out of it, but I'm only really, really enforcing what I want in my life. I'm not sitting on a... My pedestal, asking people to kiss my toes because I have wrote the book on how to handle relationships with an ex. No, I'm asking you, like, if you want this, you can have it too. Like, I'm asking you to figure out what it's going to take for that. And I understand there's a lot of circumstances that I'm never going to be able to uh, to to be a part of. You know, maybe your ex never showed up to the plate. Maybe your ex is an incredibly unhealthy state. I get that. I get that. But the rule doesn't change that what you really want to do is start from within for yourself. You know, when we look at things that we want to change about who we are. Our lifestyle most of us this was me included we're so programming to think if well if they would just act this certain way or they would just change that law or they just give me more stimulus money or they just show up when they say they were going to show up then I'd be happier then my kid would be happy then you know we'd be better off and we'd be more set any of these thought processes are all about outside things that's it everything I just listed, everything I just listed, you don't have control over. You don't have control over whether or not your ex is going to show up and be a good person. You don't have control over whether or not the the government's going to give you more child support um, or stimulus checks or refunds or subsidies or any of that stuff. Um, it's, you just don't. You don't have control over anything that I listed. So out of anything that you could think on planet Earth, I'm going to give you three and a half seconds. Search your brain and tell me what is it that you can control beyond yourself. Go ahead and think about it. Yeah, nothing, right? Because I, and I, my brain, I go, oh, you can control your food because you can control what goes into your body, but that's just you controlling yourself. You're not controlling your food. Well, even if you grew your food, you're kind of controlling your food. No, not really, because the soil controls that, pesticides control that, pests that get inside your garden control that. Uh, All weather controls that. So you're really not in control of anything. And that is a hard concept because I heard that light years ago that we can only control ourselves. Stop trying to change the outside. You have to change the inside. And it was one, it was almost like, well, I feel like I've been getting away with it for so long that I have been controlling other people and things in my life that I think that's like a a false statement. But it was really... um, it was really a false sense of control for sure. Do Did I manipulate people? Did I get people to do things maybe, not necessarily even against their will? You know, it's never that far, I would say. But did I manipulate people to get things that I wanted and maybe they wanted as well, but I had a, a deep-seated purpose out of it? I think so, yes. You know, and so when we switch this conversation to blended families, oh my goodness, then you talk about egos and you talk about broken emotions, you talk about trauma and you talk about unhealed um, anything, issues, anything that's not resolved or whatever, then it gets really difficult of course, right? And so what we have to be able to do is take a step back and you know, I will obviously recognize my privilege in saying that I had an amazing partner, a lot of people know that Um, I hope that for you as well I hope that you have somebody to hold your hand through stressful times like this, I hope that you have somebody to support you and give you space to just vent you know in eight and a half years uh or i mean that's my my career um i would say well eight or nine years that brent and i have been split up you know i i don't know that i would have been able to be as patient um as i could have um doing it by myself, I suppose, is what it was. I don't I don't know. I, I just want to give credit to my husband to be frank, but in the same breath, right, you know, like on his side of the fence, it's 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 always ongoing. there's no friendship there, there's no communication there. there's there's no getting together for holidays there. So I have seen both sides um, and I want to remind you that if you don't know this, it's only your children that suffer from that. It's only your children. you think, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not only your children, of course. Both parents are suffering from that, too. But you think you're getting back at your ex by withholding time or being snippy or being in control of... The, the drop-offs or holidays or whatever. And um, if it's necessary for structure of the child, yeah, that I understand that and the safety of your kids. No one would ever argue that, but you really gotta dig deep and ask, like is there anything that I could be like a little less crazy about? Is there anything that I can meet in the middle? Is there anything I could compromise on? Is there any way I can make this easier? You know, I can remember going to mediation the first time when we split up And, um, I was so frustrated because I had been collecting a calendar because I was told to, you know, about what nights I had my son. And, um, I took that calendar with me and it had been like a year of recording and in mediation, he just threw out a number verbally and the mediator divided that number down the middle. And I felt in the moment that I got really screwed on both time and child support. And I was so frustrated, so frustrated that I was just like, I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand this happened. So, you know, I was I butthurt and bitter about it for I don't even know how long. And then at one point um, when I, we were ready to get, like, our custody agreement legalized, so I went to a lawyer and, um, and kind of inquired about the time and the money. And I will tell you guys that it was my lawyer that really planted a solid seed. And she was not mean or coarse or negative towards me. It's just what she said to me that really put myself in perspective. Because I didn't really, I didn't understand that I was pissed off about the time and the uh, the child support. You know, um... I mean, it's hard to explain. Like, it was selfish reasons. I I wanted it for me. I wanted it for control. I thought I deserved it. Um, It didn't have anything to do. I mean, I was in a place that I could completely provide for my child at that point, like financially, insurance-wise. I didn't need any money from him, but I wanted it. And so sitting in my lawyer's office, she, she, I don't remember what we were talking about, but it was just like, here's, here's your options. Here's my, here's, here's what you might get. Here's what we could go for, blah, 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 blah. And then she was like, you just have to really think about, uh, at the end of the day, like how much energy is this worth for, for you to, to, to go back. And I don't even remember what her exact words were y'all, but, but the connection for me was that you have a dad who's showing up. You have a dad who wants this time with his kid. You have a dad who's trying. Um, and his his motives at the time might have been skewed like mine it might have been bitter and angry um, potentially but it didn't change the fact that he was there and he was fighting for him and he has ever since, and he continues to to this day. So, you know, when we allow for our emotions to get in the hangups of figuring out custody situations and child support, you know, it, it sucks. Because that is where the child hurts most, you know. Um, are there ways to figure it out? There is. Like, would you, would, did you potentially maybe need Medicaid or WIC or reduced services or couponing for a year or finding a higher-paying job or finding a friend you can, you know, sync up, you um, child care with are, are there things that need to be done you know yeah there might need to be if nobody said it was going to be easy but it also doesn't mean that you know to spare your own agony and grief and trying to grow from the loss of this relationship that you don't have to suffer and the, the other person is the only one that does is pretty asinine and not empathetic at all right you know and i that, I mean, I came from that, y'all. I was coming from that, so I can say that. You know, one of the other things I want to share is something that I've always taken with me was that this article I was reading about um, a court case, custody case, and it might have been like a chicken soup for the soul kind of story. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. But, um, you know, the judge had said to the couple who was divorcing is that don't ever talk ill of your other parents in front of your child because 50% of that child is that parent. And that hit home for me because, you know, regardless, y'all, for, for most of us, even for 5 to 15 minutes when we were conceiving that baby, we found something to be attracted to in that person, even if it was just for comfort and connection. Like I said, most of us, you know, that's how that happened. And so at some point, you saw that in that person, and you should never forget that for the sake of your kid. You know, one of the saddest things that we do to our children is that we love them conditionally. We promise that we won't and we try our best to not, but we do. We love them conditionally. You know, silly things about don't put your elbows on the table and chew with your mouth closed and take a shower every night because you're stinky. You know, those are conditional love things. Obviously, we can't just let our children run off to their own devices from the minute they're born, but we still condition our love to them. And so when you add in more conditions from a divided family and it happens to be subconscious cues that you're not good enough when you're acting half as your dad or your mom or whatever. You're not good enough when you exhibit traits like they do. You're not good enough when you're interested in their music and not my interest in my music or whatever. It's all of those things that you're you're reiterating to them that they're not good enough. And not only will they internalize that, but... Then they do that in their own relationships. It's no surprise to me that you know divorces, divorces continue to climb because it's going to replicate the the generation before. It just it more than likely. I guess I'm making shit up. I don't know, but um, they're going to do that, and that's part of I all think why we have relationship issues about commitment and long term commitment and things like that you know you you have to remember that that baby is 50 percent of you and 50 percent of the person that you decided to have this baby with so do your best to see that child through unconditional loving eyes and it's hard it's not easy you were not loved unconditionally Um, i'm telling you i'll love you unconditionally but more than likely your parents teachers pastors people of influence when you're growing up they didn't they didn't do that they tried their best but they didn't do it So you have to unlearn all of that stuff and recognize not only are you worthy of it, but obviously so are your children. So just give it to them, right? Now, the other thing that I can recommend to do is uh, review your history, meaning like – like I had just talked about, you know, like, um, what were your parents' relationships like or lack thereof or whoever your caregiver was? What were the influences that you had? For me, I learned that, you know, communication wasn't... It was normal to yell at each other and fight or have tension or definitely discord. My parents, it was rare that in a deep conversation that they were getting along. If it was like one of those things where you had to deliver a message, it came from my dad, it never came from my mom. Um, you know, it it just illusory and there was a lot of conniving, and there was a lot of hiding. Uh, there was, a, there was never transparency. They were never open with each other. They were never vulnerable with each other uh, in front of us. So these were all things that I absolutely did to every single person that I dated, and it's quite ironic because you know, in this relationship that I talk about with my ex, I was such a piss ant. Um, so I feel like I mimicked my dad a lot, which is who not only did I admire, but I, I, I craved the most attention from. <laughs> um, but in other relationships where I would have insecurities and I acted a lot like my mother, a lot like my mother. So there was such this, this strange dichotomy uh, of not being able to choose really who I was going to be in any relationship. It felt like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, But that's exhausting. It's exhausting. And also, you know, at the end of the day, another reason why I say that I love my relationship so much today is because I truly believe that I show up as much as myself as I can. You know, with Brent, it was funny because I I felt like I could be sillier, like I could be goofy, um, you know, but we, it's because we were both kids when we first started dating and we were both into silly movies and music and stuff like that. So that made sense. But I was never vulnerable or open with him. I never shared my deepest hopes and dreams and the things that scared me the most. I mean, I cried in front of him and I got angry in front of him, but it was never, never the way that it is, the the way that I am with my husband now. Um, So those make those make a difference. It makes a difference for you to be able to review what your history is to see what are your trips and triggers, what are your motivating factors, uh, why do you operate the way that you do, and this isn't easy in my opinion. I don't think that there's a lot of it that I've been able to sit down and go, okay, so why do I want to ignore my husband when we have a disagreement for three days? Why don't I want to go and fix things right away? Why? Hmm, why? It didn't work that way. It came from, you know, husband going, yo, I don't really want to waste all this Time fighting with you. I love you. I'm crazy about you. What can we do to make this right? How can we start over? And that didn't even happen overnight, right? Because I'd still freeze him out because freezing out was easier than talking about why I was feeling rejected and hurt, because part of me didn't even know what that was. You know, so over time it was just more reassurance of, hey, I really want to fix this. I want to get to this sooner. Hey, how can we, how can we resolve this faster? Um, blah, 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 blah. You know, so that's what it was, is it was just trauma after trauma after trauma resurfacing and then me quite literally trying to sabotage the best relationship I've ever had. But having an incredibly patient partner and somebody who deals with things differently than I did to be able to allow for me to process, heal, and move on from that. You know, Brent and I, being very young people, we we fought the way we fought. We didn't have – we never saw another way to do things. So we always thought that that, had, that was the way that it had to be. I didn't understand that I to have a growth mindset. I didn't understand that I could change my thoughts and beliefs and patterns. Uh, and I'm sure he probably wasn't aware of those things either, you know. Um, so – it it's just like a, it's a fuse waiting to go off in that regard. It was no wonder we were very contentious and couldn't get along with each other. So review your history and be very gracious and patient with yourself. If you don't know today why you do some of the things you do, there is absolutely even recently I would say probably it was like maybe the last two months where I did something that I was not proud of in front of my entire family. It was it was almost sickening. I just uh I do that thing where you like you think about it, you go like you make a stupid face. I still do it when I think about it right now, and that was two months ago but the difference is that this time y'all like this time I would have not even ever brought it up again I'd still make the y'all face in private of course but uh it was a matter of hours before I was telling my husband, I don't know why I said what I said, and it was really disgusting, and I feel terrible. I really want to, I really want to fix this, and so I fixed it with the entire family within like two or three hours after it had happened, y'all. Like what amount of? I still feel icky. I still have to forgive myself for from the autopilot habit of something I didn't want, you know. But it was definitely my dad. My dad reared his ugly head in me. Something he did um, to me as I was a kid, and I totally replicated the behavior. It was, it was, it was terrible, but. I guarantee, I guarantee there is a very slim chance that I will ever do it again now for the rest of my life because of how far I've progressed from doing it and never acknowledging it or apologizing or having a regard for anybody else's feelings to doing it and having a little bit of regard for somebody's feelings and then doing it again and having regard for people's feelings and wanting to be sorry but not actually saying I was sorry and then the next time it happened doing it again and then wanting to say I was sorry and saying you see how I'm what I'm talking about I'm growing in that progression so you got to be graceful and you got to be kind to yourself because you won't get it right tomorrow your texts your text your ex texts you and tells you that they're going to be late Ugh, of course they're going to be late the minute you decide that you're going to try your best to have patience with this person they're going to give you a reason to test that patience. The next time you give them a reason to, you know, like, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get this soccer fee paid for YMCA soccer. I'm not even gonna ask money about it, or whatever. You're gonna go pay, write it with a check, and they're gonna be like, Hey, hey, did you pay that soccer bill or whatever? You're like, of course I paid the soccer bill and I also got the cleats and I also got the soccer. Don't do that to yourself. Don't harbor resentment underneath about the things that you took care of that they didn't. All right, because one, you gotta give them opportunity to F it up, right? Like I'm I'm not saying that the exact thing was gonna happen where you took care of it and they said they were gonna help, but you never know. You don't know if you don't give them the opportunity to. So you have to relinquish some control and understand you got to let them be the way that they are. And I know that's difficult because in some instances, right, that might mean that your child gets let down. (sighs) That's a hard one, right? That's a difficult one because I do believe at the core of most of who we are, we're trying to protect our children. I do believe that. But you have to think about to the detriment of what. Okay, so what I mean by that is like let's say, for instance, um, dad said, I'm just using this as an example because – just using an example, dad said he was going to pay for the soccer registration and your cleats and your uniform and so on and so forth, right? And then dad doesn't take care of it. Dad said he was going to, but dad doesn't take care of it, you know? Um, there, this is a very classic I think example where people feel this way and I'm not saying don't step in and take care of the registration and um the whatever but make sure that you're so aware of how you do handle that situation one of the things I'm gonna tell you that I give my husband so much credit for uh is this is the way I would tell you to do it not here let's start with a not way to do it right well, your dad said he was gonna get it. Like I don't even know. Like you, you need to text him. You need to call him. I don't. This is exactly what happens all the time. I don't know why we always just think it's okay. You see where I'm going with this, right? That would be what I would suggest not to do. Okay, and it's hard. It's hard not to because we want to step in and be the knight in shining armor and we want to take care of it. And we've always taken care of it. And we need our we need our children as well as our ex to make sure that they know that we're always the ones that are gonna take care of it. And part of the um, the intention behind the messages is don't worry, boo boo. As my child, I'm always gonna show up for you. Yes, but. At the end of the day as well, what are you doing to yourself in that regard? You are conditioning your kid long-term that you're always going to take care of them. Always going to take care of them. So be careful about that. But more importantly, you're shielding them, you know? So here's here's the, the example I want to give. When anything didn't really go the way we anticipated it to go, um, I'm just going to give you a for instance. Like it was a w- anticipation of maybe having a night, an overnight for the week and then not getting that overnight. Okay. And often that was relayed to us because he didn't want to. My, my bonus son, my stepson didn't want to come over or stay the night. Um, you know, and, and when we would reconnect and it would come to light that that wasn't how that happened at all, it was always by my bonus son's Recollection, Like, he was able to put the pieces together. It was never that, you know, he walked in the door and my husband was like, you know, I'm so sorry you didn't get to stay uh, stay any nights this week because we asked your mom and mom said no and blah, 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 It was never, it's never been like that. It was never like that. It was always this, you know, if there was a question like, why didn't I get to come over, dad? I really wanted to come over. There was clarification and always, oh, and always an open invitation. Um, this house is your house. This is your home as well. Um if there was proof, proof was also given, not at the expense of, I'll show you, it was, I don't want you to think that way about me. I always want an opportunity to have you. And here's, here's where I asked for that opportunity. And unfortunately, it looked like you guys had plans, something to that effect. It was as neutral as it could be. It was very matter of fact, here's what I know. Um, And Children are smarter than we ever give them credit for before they can even understand language, let alone, um, you know, when they're young and they can piece sentences together, but we still think we're slyer than we are. They pick up on that. And I don't, I can't, I can't speak to what my bonus son feels um, about you know, his biological mother. But I can tell you that when something feels astray these days, we're confronted about it in a polite way. Like, hey, just wanted to check, you know, I wanted to do this and this. And this is the the information I got. I wanted to check with you. I wanted to check, is this accurate information? You know, so not only is it not something that our kid is internalizing that he's not welcome here, we didn't want him. That's really, really important, of course. But it's also just as important as um, not to say, well, your mom's an SOB and she's lying and blah, 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 and making assumptions on our side. And Filling in the gaps and filling his brain, you know, it's his his decision, and he also has that he has a deserving option to form an opinion about his mother the way he wants to, not how we've we've filled the head. So, you know, that would be advice that I would give. It's not easy advice, and um, I think the most hurtful thing about it is that most often, especially. Um, I mean, I'm going to say this because I can from my perspective, the better parent, the more loving parent, the more, I mean, it was not about being involved, but I would say, I just say more aware. Let me take away all the things I just said because I'm not trying to pass judgment. Um, I would just say more aware, more aware in terms of being in tune with your child, being honest with your child and so on and so forth. That, that is the most important thing because when they get to an age where they can form opinions independently from their influences, they're going to know how to do it. They're going to know how to do it. And if it wouldn't have been for him to allocate his own decisions about how his mom treats us or how his mom talks about us or how his mom talks to him or treats him – it could have been much more disastrous. It could have been, yeah, my mom's a total piece of shit because she always lies to me and she never like, She's always like throwing you guys under the bus and screw. We, it's never been that way, and I don't want it to be that way. I wouldn't want to be a mother in that position. Um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to plant those kinds of seeds. He deserves to just make his own decision. So, it's not an easy. It's not an easy thing because you know. Then sometimes we're over here picking up the pieces of disappointment or uh, feeling not so great or bad about ourselves in general um, or missing out all those things so you don't win every time but that's part of being a blended family is you don't have your kid 100% of the time anyway so you're already starting out from lack Uh, So what are you going to do with the remainder of that time and how are you going to spend it and what kind of headspace you're going to be in? So make sure to kind of tackle into that, knowing what your history is. And that really segues our, I mean, a lot of what we talked about just now was about reviewing your intentions, you know, like what is your intention? I can absolutely say at the beginning of my split up, my intention was to inflict pain and it wasn't physical pain. It wasn't even, I mean, it was a little bit of financial pain. I really wanted to, Um, but it was definitely emotional control. I wanted to control I wanted my kid full-time, um, I wanted to be able to say when he would have Cole, uh, and none of it matters, like, we've had a parenting plan since year one, and we don't even look at it, (laughs) but I think we switched weekends in the middle of a year one time, so my sister and I could be on the same schedule, because she's also from a Dora First family, split kids, weird, right, um, You know, we just call holidays what they are like, hey, are you guys doing anything special? Would you like cool? We split them most of the time. And now that he's in a different state, you know, we're, we're working that out as well. But we are doing it and we're doing that and we're doing the best that we can. And We're, you know, we both weren't mom and dad, we weren't born as mom and dads, Uh, that didn't happen until the day that my son showed up in 2007. And so we're doing the best we can with what we've got. And we're very flexible and fluid in what we do together. Um, And it's very relieving. I can't even tell you guys how much time and energy and thought I used to give to processing a conversation or trying to figure something out or whatever whatever and this is almost going to sound shitty but i don't think about my ex a lot at all anymore (laughs) um of course like when i see my son I, i it reminds me of him and when i see things in my son's room and you know um we text each other quite a few times a week and so on and so forth but All of that space used to take up a lot in my mind, not just him in particular, but just ex-relationships in general and so on and so forth. So that's that's a good feeling. I I shouldn't be thinking about him in that regard. I should be thinking about my family and my kids and he should be thinking about his relationship and his life and so on and so forth. So what are your intentions? Are your intentions to try to drive – a successful human being out of the person that you give birth to or are your intentions to try to hurt somebody and you got to be really real with yourself because I don't think that a lot of us really feel like we do want to hurt people but we do we do want to hurt them we really want to hurt them we want them to feel what we've been feeling we want to we want to have that level of control um, we, we also think I'm going to, I'm going to go here and I'm going to say that as mothers, we feel entitled to do so. We feel like there's not much we can do to have our rights revoked or not have the court side with us. And I think that is unfortunately true. It's unfortunately true, but how fucking sad, because I believe in 2021, I truly believe in my hearts. And I obviously know that I have a small amount of dads I have access to, but I truly believe that there are more dads that want to be present now than ever. And I think dads always wanted to, they just didn't know how. I just I just don't think that they they had a great resource of a evolved father who didn't do anything more than provide financially by working a job. You know, they tried their best, but I would say Gen Xers to millennials, I I there's more men out there that really want to be involved, and we're just not giving them enough credit. We're not holding the space for them to be vulnerable and not replicate the cycle that they were growing up in or Whatever. Um, as women, I don't think we're stepping down enough in terms of that an emotional power and privilege that we have when it comes to being the nurturer and the carer. And then we also, by the way, are exhausted because we're doing it all. Like, just give yourself a break and realize how how much better off you would be. Like, right now, what do I have? I have four parents that are helping me raise my first son for parents. That's amazing. That's amazing to have that much insight and that much experience and that much resource uh, and that much love, that much love for my babe. Like th- that's the best part y'all. That's just, it's great. It's a, it's literally like a community raising a baby. And that's the truth of the matter. It takes a village. It takes a village. It should take a village because I want a day off from time to time. I also want some insight. I also want some guidance. I want some reassurance. I need all of that. Uh, and to get it from another woman and they get it from two dudes. Come on come on. It's just the best ever. So what are your intentions? And then what I'll leave that with is like when you start to get into what your intentions are, then dig a little deeper and find out what your secret intentions are, right? So just on the surface level, you could easily say, well, of course I want my kid to have their parent in their life. Yeah, sure. Do you want that parent in the life because you really truly want it for your kid or because you expect that that person's going to fix themselves and they they need to step up and they need to be a better person and and you feel slightly responsible so this is how they need to do it? Or do you want that person uh, to show up so you can get more child support? Do you want that person to show up so you can keep them secretly connected to your life and some way shape or form because they left you and there with somebody else it, you gotta you gotta really check your what are you what are you gaining by keeping the story in your life basically so that is what's going to reveal what your secret intentions are so whether it's hurt anger pain pain Uh, resentment, whatever you're holding on to, what does that give you by holding on to that story, telling people about that story, reinforcing that story and so on and so forth. It's going to answer a lot of questions. It's difficult. It's difficult because it's not really what we always think it is surface level wise, but you got to find out because once you can understand what your motivating factor is, maybe it's fear of abandonment. I don't even know how I tied that together, but I'm just saying if it's fear of abandonment uh, and you're operating, you know, the way that you are, how are you going to heal that bottom level emotion so that you don't, self-sabotage whether it's your relationship currently your new relationship the relationship you have with your child the relationship you do have with your ex the relationship their your ex has with their new beau like that's important too they deserve happiness and the happier they are the better off they're going to be as a parent whether that's financially or emotional or both so you should want that person to heal and grow up and be with somebody who you admire because again not only do you have your community of people growing your little human but You don't have to worry, you know, like part of the dichotomy that I feel like I I don't, I don't, this is pulling shit out of my ass because I've never had longer than a 10 minute conversation with my husband's ex-wife and it's been nothing about parenting or mothering or so on and so forth. But, you know, like, is there an insecurity if, if there is a good person in your child's life that you will feel a certain way? I want there to be, and I am very fortunate because there is, uh, my ex-date's an amazing, I believe, she, I don't think it's daycare, I think she's a preschool teacher, how great, how great to have somebody in his life that cares about children, that cares about children's futures, that knows how to be empathetic, that knows how to nurture, she's not even, She's not even have any children of her own right now, so how lucky am I? How lucky am I to be able to have something like that, that where I know that my son's going to go there and he is going to be in good hands. It's going to be a trustful situation that my kids are going to be accepted, my my kids going to be included, he's going to be involved that's beautiful that's that, that is exactly what you should want for your kid and the more you cultivate that in your household the more that that kid's going to go and talk about that in his other household all right and I know sometimes it's like bitterness because the other person's like we don't want to hear that shit but what are you doing for your kid okay just remember at the end of the day what you're doing for your kid and what you're doing for your kid is ultimately what you're doing for yourself it's really what you're doing for yourself allowing for yourself again to live in a place where it's relief you cannot drink poison and hope that your enemies will die it's not going to work All right, so... I don't think I have any resources I can give you. (laughs) Like I said, that one, I was not a very big fan of that step families.org or whatever. That was weird. Uh, But I definitely, um, I've got, you know, like I said before I was with my ex for 12 years and then Tony and I have been together for the better part of a decade. So I'm just going to round it up and say 20 solid years of blended families, not including my own and not including what my husband um, had one as well growing up too. So, you know, there is experience and you can study and study and study and study people. And I think that's a great idea because obviously you get a whole, host of experiences and stories other than just mine my husband's my ex and my parents or whatever you know that's less than a less than a dozen stories connected to mine but you just got to get out there and figure it out. You got to get out there and do the research. You got to get it out there and be very intentional about what your belief systems are. Um, and at the end of the day, we're just all human beings trying our best. And we're doing the best we can with what we got right now. And you'll only do better once you actively reach out to do better. Um, you deserve it. You deserve it. Everybody does, including your children, and but especially yourself. So I really hope you guys got some value from this. If you did, make sure again that you can share this podcast if you want. It's free to do so and it makes you beautiful. Uh, and most of the resources that I provide are free to get your hands on. Go out and find something that works best for you too. My modality is not the only one that works or will necessarily work for you. And I'm not... I'm not on my ha-horse to think that it is, okay? So I'm always up to send suggestions as well. I really want you to find what your journey is. I love that you're here with me and I love that you let me be a part of it, but I, just like I've always told the women that I work with, my job is to make you as independent for me as soon as possible. If you feel like I'm like in the top five, you keep me around because I keep you motivated or sometimes I help ground you, great, thank you so much. I really wanna be here to do that, uh, but I'm just not naive to think that I might not be your only guru or person to inspire you or whatever it is that you wanna call me because we both know that that just sounds silly, right? So keep it up. Do the hard work. Um, I don't know. Don't even call it hard work because it's not. It's it's. Um. If I had to describe it right, I would say it's long work. <laughs> but that's because you're gonna be on planet Earth for a long time. So there's just no ifs, ands or buts about it. That's just the way that it goes. All right. And keep an open heart. Keep an open mind. And you're gonna be just fine. Just fine. So. Uh, that's it. I, I was getting ready to wrap up and then I swung into something else again. So I'm going to go ahead and tell us all goodbye. I will see you all next week for another podcast. Uh, looking for suggestions and podcast guest speakers as they are coming our way. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in. You guys, you know I'm crazy about you. You validate everything that I do, which I love, love, love. I'm in the right place at the right time and I uh, couldn't ask for more. But I'm going to because I know the universe will give it to me. So stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Bye-bye.